mobile users have a really high expectation when it comes to mobile apps. They expect high quality from the from a hardware perspective, and this is the same thing that they expect from the software running on it. And also, it's easy for mobile users to just with a single tap or just a few taps to go to the competitor and get another app that is working much much better than yours. It's surprising that still a lot of companies still don't invest enough time and money on their mobile apps. Hi, I'm Eden Fulgo, and you're listening to How It's Tested, a monthly series where we discuss great products, how they're tested, and other stories from the testing community, featuring interviews with tech leaders, founders, testing experts, and creators. How It's Tested is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor in developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on this show, or if you would like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Team Mobot. That's T-E-A-M-M-O-B-O-T. Today, we'll be chatting with Daniel Knott, a testing veteran and author with over 10 years of QA experience. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us on the How It's Tested podcast. Hi, Ian. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so it's always really exciting to have an opportunity to talk to a testing expert like you. Uh, I know that you've been working in mobile software testing for a number of years now. You've written a couple of books. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen you on the conference circuit speaking about testing. Um, you know, I've seen your white papers online and just the impressive work that you've done. But just to give our audience here uh, an understanding of kind of your background and mm-hmm. where you're from, would be great to just hear a little bit about how you got into software testing for your career and just some of the experiences that you've had so far. No problem. Yes, um, I'm working in the software testing industry, I think, is since 2008. And like many others, um, I fell into software testing because like software testing is not really something that you can learn at a university. Sometimes you have like maybe like one class that you can take on uh, quality engineering or software engineering with with a focus to quality. But I started my my testing career at IBM back then in Germany, and also like I'm based in Germany, uh, northern Germany near Hamburg. And um, I got a chance to do work as a working student at IBM while doing my uh, computer science um, university degree. And basically back then they had no idea what to do with me. <laughs> so I, I started the very first day. I had little experience in, in programming. And uh, even though I got like accepted as a working student and um, so they said like, hey, we have an application here. It was a, a, some storage system, heavy fat client on a, on a desktop system. And they say, yeah, how about you test this? I was like, okay, I have no idea. Let's let's see what I can do. And I liked it actually. I liked to to explore new things and to to find potential bugs uh, in an application. And um, even back then, I was already doing exploratory testing and I I wasn't even aware of that. (laughs) So I was just like exploring the application and was documenting my findings and talking to developers. And this is something that I really enjoyed, basically. And then I I went back to university, of course, and I I was in in a lucky position. I had a professor who was into quality and testing and he recommended me some 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 books back then and to to you know to help me in in getting more insights into software testing because I told him like hey this is really something I like I would like to do and I, I finally wrote my bachelor thesis on that topic uh, I think it was web web based application sorry and was testing and comparing different uh, tools back then 
to how to test in web-based application. And since I was so hooked, I started my career and so forth. I said, okay, like, this is something I would like to do. And I was lucky to, to get a uh, first job in a, in a company where they hired me as a junior software tester. And I finally met like-minded people and it was great. Yeah? So I had the chance to exchange with people. I was uh, able finally to learn from professional people how to do software testing right. And they teach me the techniques and everything that is required in order to become like uh, a software testing professional. Yeah, so this this was basically my my start into that role, and then a couple of years later, I got asked to start in in a in a first mobile team, and it was I think it was 2011, early 2011 something. They asked me like, "Hey, you would like to go into mobile testing?" So I have no idea about it. Let's let's go ahead, and it was basically back then. I mean, it's now 12 years ago, more than 12 years. Yeah. It was a green field. There was nothing from a tool perspective. Yeah, there was literally, I mean, the app stores were just uh, around the corner. Companies tried to to bring an app out there on iOS and Android. Uh, also, back then, it was BlackBerry and Windows Phone where I had to test against. And I was completely, again, a newbie rookie on that field. And it, it felt good at the same time, but it also was scary because I had to try out lots of tools. I mean, the, the whole tool landscape wasn't really mature. Um, so it was trial and error, basically. And um, the good thing is I got this opportunity as well in the company. And they, they were okay with us exploring, you know, like really doing research on the topic. And and back then I had the, the idea like, hey, why not writing everything down in a blog? Because I put so many work into that very first, let's say, pioneer work. I, I don't call it pioneer work, but for me, it was like something doing like from scratch. And I shared this. I, um, I thought, okay, let's do, let's do the blog. And Let's see if somebody's interested in this kind of topics. And I, I never expected people to read it. And it kind of blew up, actually, because people was, were really interested in mobile pet testing back then. And I also got the chance, the very first speaking chance to talk at, at a conference about a topic. Uh, also, like, I fell into that speaking slot or speaking um, career, so to say, because we were supporting the Azure testing days. Maybe some of you know them. It's like a, a big uh, testing conference in, in Germany and also well-known in Europe and uh, I think in the whole testing world. And my, my company back then, we were... Um, where we were a sponsor basically. So, and as a sponsor, we were, I don't know what kind of mode we had was premier sponsorship because we, we got a speaking slot and usually like companies who got like speaking slots, they use it for sales pitches, you know, showcase what their products have to offer. And my boss back then said, no, no, we don't want to do that. Let's, let's show the, the audience like that. We do cool things from a technology point of view rather than focusing on our product. And, they asked me like, Hey, Daniel, do you would like to talk about your stuff on mobile testing? I said, mm, okay, I don't know. I've never done a talk in front of people. Uh, let's do so. And they said, yeah, come on. It's anyways, it's the vendor track. Nobody, no, not nobody, but only a few people will come around. So, and it was also, it was a sidetrack. It was a smaller room, but since it, I might talk my, I think it was something around challenges in mobile testing, uh, if I'm not mistaken. The room was packed. I was the only one on the agenda on the program talking about mobile and they had to bring in more chairs. The people were sitting on the, on the ground, on the floor. They were standing outside. So it was ridiculous. And I, I was so, so nervous because I didn't expect that. And then after also after the conference, the whole, all of the people approached me like they would like to know more about it and, and asked me things about it. And, and even that back then I felt like a total newbie on mobile testing because it was new to me still but uh, and since then you know my speaking career also took off i was invited to other conferences on, in europe and meetups i i followed up my my blogging career um if it's a career <laughs> and yeah and then i i had 
one day I had the idea like, hey, let's let's write a book about it. Yeah, let's let's put everything that I've experienced in in a in a book because I think books are something really great and powerful and something that people like to to read and follow up on. And I, I told nobody back then. I think it was in 2014. I just started it on my own. I just told my wife, like, hey, look, I'm, I might write a book. She was, mm, yeah, he's crazy. Just another crazy idea that he has. And let's do him. Maybe next week he's doing something different. But I was hooked. And I, I wrote the book for more than a year in my spare time. And then I was lucky to to get a publisher uh, contract. It was uh, due to the people from the software testing community saying thank you to Lisa, Lisa Crispin. Some of you might know her. And uh Markus Gärtner, also like a fellow software tester back then, they basically recommended me to to publisher and they said, yes, let's do it. And then I was an author at some point. And again, you know, it was like one one little tiny stone to, to let to the next opportunity. And that was just great. And yeah, and now um, yeah, jumping a bit forward uh, into now, I'm right now I'm working as the head of software tester or head of product quality engineering, how we call ourselves at My One Wolf in Germany. We are uh, working as an IT service provider or consultancy. So we help different clients within Germany to develop great products and to test them, help them ship their products in terms of um, in front of the users. Some of the clients are more B2B focused. Some of them are B2C focused. So it's a complete set of things that you can think of. Yeah. So this is a brief, a longer introduction of myself, but uh, I hope now you get a better picture, a better picture. Um, for those of you who know, my, my blog is Adventures in QA. You can follow up on it. Uh, you find all of this stuff there. Uh, in case you have questions, always ping me via social media. I'm always happy to help out, uh, to share, yeah, to share knowledge. This is something that I really enjoy. Uh, just later today, I just got asked to, I mean, whenever the podcast is available, but today's test bash spring and I got asked like, Hey, can you jump into another call? It's like, okay, let's do so. So I, this is also the cool thing that if you, you have kind of a, um, a name in the industry that you get asked to, to attend events. And that's something what I really enjoy is to, to exchange and to share the knowledge with others. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was first doing research to, th so I started my company, Mobot, five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I remember where very, you know, when, at the very beginning of my founder journey, I was looking for any resources I could find about mobile app testing. And your book was like the only book that was available at the time. And this was in like 2018, which was very surprising to me because, and I think that kind of goes back to like, why was that conference room so packed, you know, at the conference, people are so starved for mobile specific mobile first mm -hmm. software testing best practices. Um, and it is slightly different than the more sort of generic world of software testing or testing a web app or testing a desktop app. And so so it's really cool to kind of see that you found your specialization or your niche where this is there's a such a big community of testers, of software professionals, IT professionals that really need more guidance, more resources, and they're hungry for kind of these best practices around mobile. And so I'm curious, when you first started your career and, you know, you were testing both web and mobile, and then you kind of made the decision to specialize in, in mobile software best practices, what were some of the kind of key differences or kind of key points of specialization that you feel like makes mobile testing different than just sort of like generic best practices you can read about on the internet about software testing? I got hooked basically because of the, I mean, this is also like one of the biggest challenges is the, the, the difference in the hardware. 
you know, I like this, this extra point, the, the extra challenge when it comes to software testing. I mean, when we do like normal software testing for web applications or desktop applications, it's more stationary. Like users tend to sit in front of a big screen and do whatever they would like to do with the product. But with mobile, you can go out, you can do whenever you are, you can, you can use the products. And this was something that, that hooked me. Yeah, I really like the idea. I mean, back then it was also really cool, you know, to play um, around with all the different devices, always have the latest ones available, all the gadgets that are out there. So this was something from a, from the, from, from a technology point of view, world, which was really interesting to me back then. And, and also, yeah, to solve these challenges, like, you know, how to do automation on a mobile device, keeping all the scenarios in mind, like keep being outside, not being connected to the office Wi-Fi, but really go out in the in the areas in the in the countryside or in the city, depending on the users, the user base, where are they using your product? And the product I was uh, testing back then was um, um, a social media app and users, we, we, see, we saw it on our tracking data, basically, they were using it in the morning when they were commuting. And then during lunch break and then again on the commuting time. So this was also important knowledge for me to to focus on that timing. So I also took time to test on a train, for example, you know, to be out there with multiple devices and the pen of paper to note down things and doing lots of screenshots and stuff. And then also I was doing something in, in the office where people were also using the product. So there was kind of this mix of, um, yeah, you know, getting out of the office and tackling the different challenges uh, for the different uh, the different devices. That's really interesting because then I think the in, the introduction of like you were saying testing on the train, testing in different Wi-Fi conditions, it almost kind of feels like there needs to be more test case coverage than you would traditionally need to do for a web app. Mm-hmm. And the that sort of like ratio of automated to manual testing or simulated to physical testing is different between web and mobile. Um, what do you think in your experience based on all the clients that you've worked with, what's kind of the right balance of automated versus manual testing for mobile? It really depends on the product that you that you are going to test. Of course, you can do, I mean, you should always try to do lots of automation. Yeah, Automation on, on real devices is always the, the highest aim that you should go for, like get as many devices in the company or use like cloud devices or stuff like that to test on the end, end consumer devices because that's where the magic is happening, right? Nobody is using an emulator simulator out there to use your product. So this this is not so different from compared to traditional software testing for web applications. So you should like keep this always up. Like whenever you develop a new feature, the team should ask themselves like, hey, on which level um, we would like to automate? Uh, unit level API and so forth and so forth. Like what's what's the user journey? Should, is this something that we should automate from an end-to-end perspective, you know? And this this should always be at heart. And and then of course what I usually do is tell the people like do lots of manual testing as you just mentioned. Yeah. Manual testing is really important because uh, there's so many factors that you that you cannot simulate or like code in in, in scripts that are really hard to tackle. I think it's also the combination of things, right? I mean, um, back then when I started, crowd testing wasn't a thing, <laughs> yeah, or like cloud providers wasn't a thing. We were building up our own cloud devices, which was tedious and exhausting. And um, but now it's much better, right? I mean, we have so many great services that that companies can pick and choose from to to integrate this into their testing activities on real devices maybe in the combination with crowdsourcing uh, crowd testing this could be something to get more people 
from like in the wild, you know, you know, you use the product from the end consumer perspective. So that's the, the mix of things I would say. I know you had mentioned, you know, when you first started your career in mobile testing, um, you had to deal with Windows Mobile, you had to deal with BlackBerry. Those were, I remember back in college at the time, like it was the coolest thing. It was the ultimate status symbol to have a BlackBerry. And it's mm -hmm. kind of funny how our ecosystem has evolved since then. Yeah. Do you feel like the best practices or sort of how you tested Windows um, mobile devices and Blackberries, is that kind of the same testing approach, the same strategy that you use for testing iOS and Android today? Or was it different back then? Like, how do you feel like the industry has evolved? Mm -hmm. I would say that from a, from a mobile perspective and from a mobile scenario perspective, it was the same. Yeah, People using the product. On, on, a, on a small device. Of course, what was different between the platforms was the form factor of the device. I mean, BlackBerry had the physical keyboard, even though they were experimenting also with complete touch devices, but their main um, USP was always of this physical keyboard. So this was completely different in terms of UI design development and also testing. Yeah, so this, this was different. And Windows was using this tile approach. It was also a different uh, approach, also from a, a different approach when it comes to the app architecture like how to use the product, how to use system integrations. Yeah, So you could use different system components within an app, for example, uh, that that was different. But overall, from, from, a, from a mobile perspective, it was more or less the same. Yeah? That, that, that was not the biggest deal. Yeah? It was sometimes the, what the hardest part was to, to configure the devices, to put them into the, in the right state. Uh, I mean, back then also test flight and all these apps, like th this, this wasn't a thing. So I had a computer for Windows uh, to deploy the, the app on Windows, a, um, a second one for BlackBerry because we were using it in, a, in an isolated way, as, as isolated as possible. Uh, I had a Mac Mini, I had a, um, um, some Macs on my, my system, on my key, um, on my desk. So it was basically working in a consumer, um, end consumer uh, electricity, uh, electronic market, you know, and so many devices different systems that I had to use to juggle around with to deploy the apps to the different devices. That was actually also the hardest part. Yeah. So the whole device management is is a huge topic. It, it got much easier now with only iOS and Android, even though it's still it's still challenging. Because now we have, for example, yeah, we have watches, you know, gadgets that we can connect with. And this is now another level that we have to deal with now. Yeah, I can imagine. So I know at your at your role at Bayborn Wolf, um, you guys ha are a consultancy and you mm -hmm. work with a number of different clients, each of them with their own demographics of, you know, I'm sure there's a different mix of this company uses more iOS and then and less Android or this company is Android only. Yeah. So in that kind of fragmentation, how do you guys give recommendations to your clients about how many iOS devices should you test? How many versions back of Android should you test? Like, how do you normally kind of propose a strategy for clients? Yeah, first of all, we, we, we like to get information about the user base, like who is the, the, the user, the consumer of the product? Uh, is there anything specific to it? It's like a specific demographic, the, the specific usage patterns, like you just mentioned. Is it more Android? Is it more iOS? And based on that data, we do like recommendations. Yeah. And I mean, I think at the moment, there is no client that's just saying, okay, iOS only or Android only. They usually cover both. I mean, we have one client that's more on the, on the luxury end of things that this, this client is more focusing on iOS because that's what's in the user base that they're now thinking of maybe we should also do Android, but this is 
in their minds, you know, that maybe we can get some more people from there as well. But um, so this really depends on the client, on the on the brand itself, and then of course on the on the customer base. And then, yeah, it's uh, depending on the client industry. We we offer a mix of the things I just mentioned and uh, do lots of automation, do lots on 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 the on also use a lot of, of the emulators and simulators and other services because you don't need to to deploy on a real device to 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 lower the burden of things and to speed up things, but. We never say don't go without real device testing, being at cloud. Yeah. Cloud should be like to test on a real device is always a must. Yeah. Some of the clients say, okay, we don't want to use crowd testing because we don't have the capacity to, to manage the crowd as well. Because I mean, imagine testing your product on maybe let's say 1000, uh, crowd testing people. You also get feedback and you have to handle this feedback. Yeah. So that's why we always say, okay, let's, let's, let's find the, 10 most used devices uh, among your customers get those devices either internally uh, some of the clients are like okay we need to do everything in-house we, we are not allowed to use cloud testing providers for example so we have to get all the devices man maintain them for them and if they are more like open that we can also use cloud cloud devices cloud services and then we use that but finally we also have to test in the wild outside because some clients that we're working with are for example car manufacturers and yeah if you're developing an app that is connected to your car you have to go out i mean if your office is big enough to bring the car in this might be an option too but usually you have to go outside to go um to test in the car uh while somebody maybe is driving so you're the, the um, passenger or while you're standing in front of the car or next to the car. And this poses another level of challenge because you not only have to configure your device, but you might only uh, also configure the car. Yeah. So is the car in the in the right uh, state? So in case the, the team is developing the complete stack from, from mobile device, from mobile app to the, the backend service and APIs to that car, for example, that's a whole chain of end-to-end -end testing perspective that you have to keep in mind. So... And this usually is also like then not a job for only one person, for one testing person, because this is just too many, too many stacks, too many layers, too, the complexity is just too high. So we have to work together in a team to solve that and to handle the challenge. Yeah, what you were describing about the um, the CarPlay or Android Auto application that you guys support testing, it's actually quite similar to an experience that we've had at Mobot, where this customer, they have an iOS app, they have an Android app, they it you know connects to CarPlay, connects to Android Auto, mm -hmm. and Mobot uses our robots to run sort of a basic suite of tests connecting to just like a head unit that's not in a car. But after our testing process finishes, the customer has a separate QA team that is literally going out and driving real cars to make sure that, uh, you know, everything is working end to end. The firmware on, on that car, the head unit is, you know, the right version. Everything needs to work end to end. And so, yeah, I can totally see how it creates this whole other dimension of testing mm -hmm. um, that even if you have sort of like best practices with software testing on the automated side, there's still this physical real world component that's uh, that's really interesting. But it also means that that product is more unique. Um, it's 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 even more compelling because it's integrating better with people's lives. So that's really cool to to kind of see that your team is able to kind of balance both, you know, the real world constraints, but also kind of like the traditional software best practices. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you guys have seen so many different clients, so many different apps. Um, do you feel like every client you're able to kind of take the same recommendations from client to client to help them build the testing infrastructure? Or 
Is there any examples of a client that have kind of surprised you where it really needed you to kind of rethink the way that you think about best practices or even maybe goes against something that you recommend in your book? I mean, what sometimes surprises us is that we have uh, like challenges of the tech stacks that the clients are using. So we have to adapt to those. You know, it's not, not only like the a green field where you say, okay, let's use the standard tools for mobile, like to, to get kickstarted. Sometimes they have legacy systems that need to get connected to it. So that's a challenge, definitely. So that's something that we need to find solutions together with the client to find tailored solutions. And in case we see that this doesn't make any sense, we try to like, to recommend the client, like, hey, this might not be a good idea because of X, Y, Z. It adds a lot of uh, complexity to it. It's not like maintainable anymore. And, you know, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, this is, of course, what, what can happen. And I mean, there's, there's, there's one client now that that's quite challenging is that is, is also again the end to end perspective. It's not, not only the, the mobile app that we have to, that we are going to develop and test, but it's also the whole like API interfaces, not only to, the backend system, like which is a cloud system, it's also connected to an I IoT device. Yeah, so we have another layer on top of it. So IoT microservices uh, running on or like code running on limited hardware resources. Yeah, so it's not uh, something like, hey, we go to the cloud, let's deploy, let's get some more capacity, just spawn a new server, get more capacity. No, we are really limited in in things. And uh, yeah, that was lately an issue that we found out that. From a programming perspective, we were using like the the, the wrong variables, like the wrong um, data types. So we were just consuming too much battery, not to not too much battery, but too much storage. So we had to rework the whole code base and the whole testing infrastructure again to fit on the the, the hardware devices. So that's that's really challenging. Yeah. So then then of course the recommendations that I usually do in in the book and also in talks is yes, it's a starting point where we can start off, but there's always like it depends. We need to go this way, and sometimes still that's even some some experimentation. Yeah, I mean, one client we had that was really good in building hardware devices, but back then they were like stupid dump devices. They were not connected to a cloud, so they were not connected to a mobile device. They had no Bluetooth interface, no Wi-Fi, and so this was again greenfield for for the client. So again, we had the chance to do some research together with the client, which is great. Yeah, because then we can experiment again. We also, as as a company, can learn again from that client, like how to do things which can lead in the long run again to new recommendations. Yeah. So this is something that we explore. Got it. I know when you were first writing your book, um, since you were one of the very few experts in the space at the time, you know, that was kind of where uh, these device farms, these virtualized device farms, um, where they are real physical devices plugged into racks so by USB. And I think that was still kind of gaining adoption, gaining traction, you know, when you were first kind of um, the, one of the few experts. Mm -hmm. You know, 10 years ago, that started really gaining steam. There's also, you know, XCUI, Espresso, these testing frameworks are getting better all the time. Mm -hmm. There's Detox, there's Maestro, there's all these new frameworks that are popping up for cross-platform, uh, cross-functional apps as well. I'm curious what your opinions are of some of these newer tools that have popped up. There are even some of these no-code UI automation recording tools that have appeared. I'm sure you've tried many of them, mm -hmm. um, but what is kind of your perspective on these tools? Where do you think this industry is kind of heading? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment, right? I mean, the, the news kit on the blog is Maestro. Uh, you just mentioned it. I mean, it's kind of... It, it, 
I mean, I, I, I was hooked um, as well. I mean, I still like it, what, what the, the team is doing there. So uh, when I was started first place, I was like, nah, this cannot be true. It cannot be that fast, that easy to, you know, to, to set it up and to get it running. But it's actually true. And that's, that's something what I really uh, think is, is a great thing. Um, because using Appium and installing Appium can be like a tedious job and is complex and takes a lot of time. And um, also what we see at our clients, for example, is that some companies, they, of course, they don't want to spend too much money for quality. So they should test and these kinds of things. So, which is okay if the developers are doing the testing, at least to extend how they can do it. I think that that's great to have tools such as Maestro, for example, because it's easy to set up. It fits perfect into the development um, um, tool chain. And this, this is the same for XUI, this XCTest Espresso, because like these are tools develop for developers basically yeah so it's easy for them to use to because i think it's important to lower the burden and to lower this perception of ah testing is is boring i don't like testing you know testing is something that everybody can do it's it's uh, it's easy but which is not and that's important so tools have to be easy to use and um, also this this goes then to the direction of this low code no code approach and recording aspect which is okay uh, for an app that is, has a really simple UI and really simple interface and is maybe not like maybe connected to the operating system or is not connecting to other third party devices like IoT devices or smartwatches, this might be the, the challenge for them. So the tools need to be easy to use. And that's why uh, that's the direction that the low code, no code tools are going because I think that also, like, for example, product people or designers then can use the product. So they can already, like, when they think about requirements they can already start outlining um, testing scenarios or even record them already on a prototype and then re- later on replay them in the in the tool so this is something that can happen but for companies that have like a bigger product that is running for years or is, is here to stay for years i usually recommend to invest time in the tool selection to make up their mind like what is the tech stack at this time in a point in time what are the tools that we would like to use? And um, I think there is no single tool for mobile that you should use and rely on. It's always a mixture of tools. Yeah. So you have this, as you just mentioned, you have Espresso, XC, XUI test and other um, unit testing frameworks that are out there for mobile. Then you should combine those tools yeah, to, to, to have like a set of tools that gives you the best possible solution uh, and there is no single bullet. Yeah? So there's no, this, that, that's the tool chain. That's the tool stack that you should use. It, it depends again on the app and what is also the purpose. I mean, I've also seen apps that have been developed for like, a couple of months or vanilla apps that uh, have only a purpose for maybe, let's say, an event, for example, or like for some, some marketing commercial wise. I mean, there you don't need to, to ramp up the complete test suite, you know, and establish like long running test suites. Maybe it's so it's fine to do only manual testing here, yeah, and then good to go. Yeah, so this is really depends. Yeah, I think your point about there's no one solution that's going to solve everyone's mobile QA problems. No. I think that really resonates with me because that's totally what we've seen as well. We work with a number of customers at Mobot where they do use um, detox tests. They have mm-hmm. a bunch of Appium tests that have been written out. Those are the tests that are running on every single commit. They're running on every pull request. Uh, but that's not a replacement for manual testing. Mm-hmm. You still have to get in the car and drive. You know, with the the actual Android Auto, um, you know, activated, for example. But there is, you know, a chance to kind of 
also have automation for, you know, the deep links, the camera stuff, the push notification stuff. That's mm-hmm. the, you know, Mobot's bread and butter. And so the right portfolio is kind of like you were saying, a number of different tools. And it really does depend on kind of the the way that that application needs to be used. Mm-hmm. And so that's why there's no, yeah, exactly like you were saying, no one size fits all. Yeah, exactly. And and just what you mentioned is this, uh, the operating system integration, this becomes even more important to cover because I think that users are getting lazy in using apps. I mean, look, I, I could just look at myself. I mean, I, I have a bunch of, a ton of apps installed, but I merely use maybe like 10, 15 apps on a daily basis. And usually I use them when I have, for example, a push notification or I have some, something to react on. And this is something that is, it's a really hard challenge to tackle in automation because most of the tools they are, you know, they are connected to or like tight or like focused on their sandbox or they're blocked within their sandbox, which is the app. So they cannot leave app contacts, which, which is really uh, like difficult to do. But this is a really uh, important thing to, to keep in mind. And that push notification is a huge uh, traffic generator, right? I mean, on, on Android, it's the, the best thing to get attention on the app. Yeah. I mean, iOS as well, but Android is a bit better because I think the notifications in Android is more powerful in terms of the feature set. So this is really something whenever you have an app out there that is using push notifications or can integrate to third-party native apps, for example, the uh, calendar or I don't know what, you have to use some sort of solutions to yeah, get out of the app context and do automation as well. And I know that mobile is exactly doing this this kind of stuff with real robots, real interaction. That, that's just great. I mean, that's that's something that you, you, it's hard to, to do um, with, I mean, I don't know any tool actually at the moment. Yeah, that was exactly kind of what I struggled with as a product manager and why I ultimately started the company. So it's really validating to hear you say that. Yeah. I have one more question for you, which is, given how complicated the world of mobile is becoming, mm-hmm. you know, there's experts like you, I think you have a lot of intimate knowledge about what makes mobile different than your web app testing, your desktop app testing, mm-hmm. RPA tools. There's a lot of other stuff in our industry that doesn't actually apply to mobile. Mm-hmm. What are ways that you think professionals like you and me can help advocate and sort of articulate and communicate the differences between mobile and other tech stacks um, so that people start to realize like actually mobile is really complicated. There's all these real world things like what could we be doing better as an industry or as professionals to start communicating that to our peers or other engineering teams that don't work on the mobile product or other product managers because that's something that I'm always working through is trying to spread awareness about how different mobile is from other tech stacks. Yeah, I mean, the, the example that you usually that I bring is like, what are the, the, the jobs or the jobs to be done that you are doing on your mobile device? And what, what kind of apps are you using? And what are the things you do? I mean, looking at my, my own habits, I mean, I use my mobile phone for everything, banking, travel, booking, gaming, meeting friends, like chatting and these kind of stuff. And it, it's all happening here on, on this little tiny device. And it's our personal goal. It's basically, it's our, like, our extended brain. Yeah. And, the software that is running on that uh, system has to work out. Yeah? It has to work because it's it's handling all of our sensitive data. And this is something that, that people should be aware of. And it's also something that you can see uh, if you go to App Store ratings. Yeah? I mean, mobile users have a really high expectation when it comes to mobile apps. Yeah? So they, they spend a couple of hundred euros. Now it's almost a thousand of euros or dollars to get the latest gadgets out there. And 
they expect high quality from the from a hardware perspective, and this is the same thing that they expect from the software running on it. Yeah, they don't want to have a, a crappy app out there that is doing their job halfway. And also it's easy for mobile users to just with a single tap or just a few taps to go to the competitor and get another app that is working much, much better than yours. So that's the thing. I mean, mobile device, I mean, you just have to go outside, go go to a train or to a park. Everyone is, is looking into uh, their devices, which is sad on, on the one side, uh, good on the on the other side for us as, as mobile people to, to work or towards those technologies. But uh, that's the thing. So the, the mobile users are expecting a high quality, and that's why it's important to focus lots on, on mobile. And the funny thing is, or no, it's not funny, but it's, it's surprising that still a lot of companies still don't invest enough time and money on mobile on their mobile apps. It's sometimes they they start with their web application. Of course, that's that's the first point. Then they have maybe a responsive application, and then they said, "Yeah, that's good enough." But it's not what users expect. Yeah, so this is something that um, you have to tell them. I mean, look at yourself. Like, how are you using your product? How are you using mobile? And is this the the way the right way to use it? And then try to convince them with that with the personal story. Yeah, I think in 2023, the expectations from the consumers are higher than ever before. And we've moved past this world of like, oh, a mobile app is just reading something else. You know, you're just reading the content off the screen. It's text. It's more than that. Yeah. You're you're using it on the go. You are using it for a, a very distinct purpose in a particular time and place and circumstance. And so mm-hmm. absolutely, definitely see how excited to uh, have another conversation conversation again, maybe in a, in a few months and, and see how our industry continues to evolve. Definitely. It's, it's still, it's still interesting where it has to, I mean, now with all the like electronic cars, like it's, it's getting the, the key of your car, right? It's the mobile app. It's your device. The whole, the whole home automation is something that, that is um, still, it's already there. It's a big thing already, but it's only like uh, f- looking at my like peers, my friends, my network is that it's only used by techies. Yeah. Like you and me, we, we maybe do some home automation with apps and we can control our lids and, and the light bulbs and whatever. But there's like a huge potential in the market for like, like my mom and my dad, for example. Yeah. So they have no idea what is there, what technology is available for them to have an easier life. Yeah. So this is, there's a huge topic. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that is coming. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel, for joining us on the podcast today. Um, I really just, one of the things that stood out to me about our conversation was how you've seen the evolution of mobile and this ecosystem from, you know, over a decade ago with Windows and BlackBerry to where it is today. And it's interesting to hear that there are some differences in the tech stacks, but a lot of commonalities still in the way that we should approach testing and the balance of automated and manual Mm-hmm. If our audience would like to read your book or um, check out your blog, Adventures in QA, where should they go to find all those resources? Yeah, it's exactly uh, adventuresinqa.com. Yeah, you can find everything over there. So my book, uh, you can get it on LeanPub. Uh, is Amazon available as a paperback? Or if you prefer ebook, you can get it as an ebook. There you can find also information about my YouTube channel, the blogs, posts, uh, the stuff that I'm doing, keynotes, uh, conference talks, uh, things that I'm going to do this year. And of course, Twitter, LinkedIn. Feel free to approach me. Happy to help out. Yeah. 
Thank you for the role that you've played in just really growing this industry. And I, I think, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to start Mobot without the resources that you shared early on. <laughs> Back when you were one of very few people actually writing about mobile software testing. And I'm excited to continue to see our community grow over the next few years. But I'll always remember how you've pioneered a lot of this. And I think just everything that we talk about today came from you know a lot of your early blog posts in your book, which is really cool. Thank you. Thanks for the kind words. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Team Mobot. That's T-E-A-M-M-O-B-O-T. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor in developer-first startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com.